We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, when uh, mandatory minicamp was at its end, we learned that two of the Broncos, well, the two most uh, high-profile Broncos rookies, Marvin Mims uh, and Drew Sanders, second and third round pick respectively, kind of finished the, the camp injured, although we never really got any further background on the nature of the injuries, what they were. I guess you could say the nature. We knew they weren't too serious, but you have we have learned more. What, uh, what can Broncos fans uh, find out on this subject? Uh, being the great insider that he is, Mike Kliss, uh had tucked away in a rookie piece uh, previewing training camp that Sanders and Mims are dealing with um, muscle pulls in their legs, which is a soft tissue injury, nothing too serious, but you don't want to push them if you don't have to. At this point of the offseason, I'd rather the Broncos, which they're doing, allow them to get perfectly healthy. They have a long break now until training camp, so they had them off to the side. That's how Sean Payton's going to be, Chad. And we learned that from the intro press conference. He's not going to give anything by way of injuries. He's going to be very cryptic and guarded. Um, it's going to take some scoopage to find out what's what, but nothing too serious. And as um, Payton talked about, they were – off to the side during OTAs and minicamp, staying sharp mentally, staying in the classroom, staying in their playbooks. So there's no concern with them, but that's the uh, scuttlebutt about the two rookies. That is uh, what makes these two guys in particular, really this whole class, but I'll, I'll keep it focused on the subject at hand. So exciting is we, we can see and we know how much talent they have. I mean, Marvin Mims, explosive wide receiver, very versatile, can bring a lot of different um, – attributes to the offense drew sanders inside outside but it's their smarts it's their football iq it's how quickly they've been picking things up and kind of assimilating that makes me zach even more encouraged in terms of year one impact yeah i mean even Chris wrote he expects both players to be starters from day one next year it could be a learning curve or an acclimation period because on both depth charts for mims and sanders there's established rookies I'm um, excuse me, established veterans 
already in their spots. But next year, Chris talked about Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, the guarantees coming off the books. They talked about Josie Jewell would be a free agent. Jonas Griffith, a free agent. That would mean Sanders can slide into a starting role opposite Alex Singleton. So they're going to be contributors in 2023, but the expectation is they're going to be full-time starters come 2024. Zach, do you drink a lot of water? I try to, yeah. Big bottles always. Like, how much do you think you drink a day? I try to drink, what is it, eight ounces or whatever, eight cups of water. And eight I just cups. have big bottles that I go through. I'm trying. I'm, I'm not a water guy. I don't really like drinking water. But in the interest of health, I'm trying to drink a whole gallon. And I found this rad uh, jug that you can either go by like, oh, it's 7 a.m., drink. Oh, it's 9 a.m. Yeah. Or, you know, straight up like, whoops. Uh, ounces, milliliters, whatever. It's been very helpful. David, what's good, bro? Very nice to see you. Love your T-shirt, uh, as you know, big dog. The Papa Bear, is, as he is known in his neck of the woods, he says, good evening, Broncos country. Chad, Zach, Dylan, and Deacon Scott. MHH for life. Fuck them. Times three. That's with a B. Denver Broncos for life. Really appreciate the super, big dog. Thank you, David. Sam Bam throwing down early, too, before we uh, went live. Really appreciate you. Sammy says, good evening, guys. Hope all is well. Go Broncos. All is well. Hope you're doing just as, as well, Sam. Um, Troy, another before we went live super. We are so blessed. Thank you, big dog. He says, hey, guys, I trust Sean Payton, and now I really trust Sean Payton because I really trust Peyton Manning. I hope this keeps uh, coming together finally. So, Zach, uh, Peyton Manning, I wouldn't say necessarily broke his silence, but kind of shared his, his true thoughts on the Sean Payton hire for the first time. You had the story for us. What are the takeaways? What did he say? Basically, uh, last summer, after Sean Payton stepped down as Saints head coach, uh, Payton and Peyton Manning and I believe Eli Manning were on a golf trip together. And it was on that trip where Peyton learned a lot about Sean. I'm going to just call Sean by his first name for effort of uh, easiness. And from that point forward, uh, Peyton kind of, advocated for or pushed for Sean Payton to become the Broncos coach in the future if it were to arise, which it did. And Payton, knowing kind of the inner workings of the Broncos and knowing a lot of owners around the NFL, a lot of contacts around the NFL, he was kind of the secret fixer for that marriage to take place. And Peyton Manning said, I'm all in on Sean Payton as Broncos coach. And he was confident that Broncos ownership would give Sean Payton what he needs to be successful. And as I wrote, you know, they gave Sean $18 million a year and made him the second highest paid coach in the NFL. On top of that, Sean Payton came in and said, listen, I want offensive line help. I want two new starters. What they do, they shelled out $140 million combined for Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers. So Payton's absolutely right that the Broncos have acquiesced, and as they should, to Sean. It is uh, very interesting how Payton keeps his, his comment and his read, anyway, on Sean Payton very much centered, Zach, on organizational support, organizational hierarchy and commitment. And it kind of goes to uh, show that when the hiring process was underway and Sean Payton was, you know, in the mix for different jobs, if you can remember, there was one sit down when he was still at Fox Sports and, and things were starting to move relative to the coaching hiring cycle. And he'd, he would do one of his, whatever it was, weekly or biweekly appearances on the Colin Cowherd show. And that's where we heard for the first time, hey, what's important to you, yada, yada, yada. You got to go somewhere where there's a quarterback or 
you go somewhere where you've got like a top 10 pick where you have a chance at a quarterback, right, Sean? And he's like, well, you know, quarterback, sure. But really what's important to me is ownership and front office and and really the quality of those two dynamics, um, how I might merge, you know, how I might mesh with them, the the energy, the support. And it turns out, Zach, that those weren't really just talking points uh, to fill content in a, in a radio appearance. That was a very big priority for Sean Payton. So it sounds like, I mean, we know that obviously he vibed with the Waltons, yeah. Greg Penner, um, but it does seem like Zach that he really has um, gotten on the same page quickly with George Payton, the GM who is, you know, holdover now through he's on his third head coach. I mean, he's starting to yeah. uh, stack as many head coaching skins on the wall as his predecessor the one thing i've learned about sean in the few months of covering him is that uh familiarity is a huge thing for him that's why when he was hired as broncos coach the one of the first things he did was surround himself with like-minded coaches and former saints coaches he brought in former saints players he likes everything to work simpatico and what he had in new orleans was a really good setup with the ownership group the bensons in new orleans and also the general manager mickey loomis they were extremely tight it was never a power struggle it was never um you and me it was us it was ours it was our franchise and the operation we're running and that's what i believe he has now in denver it's one of the reasons he was probably drawn to denver to have that symbiotic relationship with george payton and the ownership we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Group. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, real quick, I just want to give a shout out to the Bugmeister. Hey, don't worry about your card not working. We're just stoked to have you in the chat, my friend. Great to see you. MHH for life. Indeed, my dog. Uh, GLP in the house. What's up, Gary? He says, hey, Chad, Zach, Scott, and Dylan. Love that Peyton Manning support. Go Broncos and Buckham. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Gary. So great to see you, my friend. Um, it is interesting because, uh, you know, there are layers to this whole Peyton Manning, Sean Peyton thing. Um, not the least of which, Zach, is even though they competed in separate conferences for a good portion of their time, uh, in the in the NFL together when they're both in the league, it was that Super Bowl, right? Where Sean, yep. where where Peyton Manning became uh, more than acquainted with the adversarial um, savvy acumen, cunning, whatever you want to call it, of Sean Payton, and uh, he ended up, of course, losing to Drew Brees, Sean Payton, the New Orleans Saints, and 
in no small measure, I mean, the head coach always is going to get a, a good chunk of the credit when the when the team wins the Super Bowl. But some of the calls he made in that game, uh, not just you know the onside kick, the decision to do that stuff, and but just like some of the ways offensively they were able to exploit that Colts defense. Uh, you can criticize his, um, even if it was that kind of like out of sight, out of mind. It's not my thing really, but go ahead and do your thing, Greg Williams, with Bounty Gate and stuff. Yeah. That defense, dude, was freaking ferocious that year and just just mad uh, in the in the true sense of the word, crazy. But it is interesting to hear him giving the props because he knows a thing or two about what it's like to cross swords with Sean Payton. Yeah, and I feel like for that game it was so long ago, but the the execution wasn't there. But I feel like the the game plan, everything on paper was put in place for the Saints in that game, and they just couldn't execute. It happens. Look at the Broncos against the Seahawks in Super Bowl Forty Eight. You know, sometimes you just don't have it. But um, yeah, they've become familiar. But more importantly, Peyton Manning signing off on Sean Payton. Sean Payton seeking Peyton Manning's advice on the Broncos and uh, uh, encouragement. There's no wrong way to look at it. It's all encouraging. Yeah, that was uh, maybe, perhaps, the most famous onside kick, indeed. Um, <laughs> JR, try and uh, – uh, try or Junior, whatever, I, I can't remember. But try and stay cool, big dog, um, in the literal sense. You're, you're already cool in a figurative sense. This we know. Um, okay, Zach, so back to uh, some of the topics at hand. Now, we are – what are we? We're we still have a good month till training camp uh, rolls around, and so with that in mind, as you look at the the roster, all right, because when the cleats hit the grass, usually like in the day, the the, the days, the the last couple of days uh, before camp begins, you usually see a little flurry of roster moves across the NFL as teams who recognize maybe during OTAs where some of the holes were or just different things that they're not quite comfortable with, you see them at that point start pulling the trigger on a few things. If the Broncos were to add any pieces at that point, whether it's you know, free agents, college free agents that might be out there, veterans, whatever, what do you see as potential um, candidates? Not necessarily names, but positions. I don't think there's going to be that much activity until training camp starts and the preseason at the bare minimum. Sean Payton talked about that as well before they took their summer break and uh, basically said they're going to wait for final cutdowns in uh, late August and then go from there. It's how they found Taysom Hill in New Orleans. But there is a lot of talent on the open market. I mean, uh, someone put it out there today on Twitter of all the available free agents, and you can field a competitive team with the amount of unsigned talent left uh, for the taking. A, a few guys that come to mind, they've addressed most positions really well. The one area where I'm still kind of iffy on, interior O-line. We've talked about that ad nauseum, almost every single podcast. Gabe Jackson's out there, former Seahawk. He was kind of iffy last year, but you know he's a, a good swing guy to have in the Cam Fleming role. Ben Jones is out there, former starting center with the Titans. It's a guy I've wanted from day one since he got his walking papers in Tennessee. I mean, a one-year deal for a, a veteran that can come in and either be the starter, taking over for Cushenberry, or a key backup. You can never have too many quality offensive linemen. So I am looking there first and foremost. There is uh, the, the, the topic was triggered for me by the article Eric Trickle had. Uh, and by the way, Scott, I don't know what it is, but 
Zach has a Mac, right? He's a, he uses Apple. He's never, ever laggy, ever. Do you ever notice Zach being laggy? Thumbs up if it's a yay. Yeah, I don't ever either. So it's like StreamYard loves something about Mac or Apple tech. I don't know what it is. They just work. Um, so I might I might have to look into one of those bad boys. But yeah, there is an article that Trickle posted, 15 free agents at, uh, that are still available out there as of right now for the Broncos uh, needs. We might get into that here in just a minute. Um, but Zach, I want to segue for a second and pick your brain at the risk of more lags um, on something that Peter King wrote. Now, this is actually quite old news, but it was dredged up in an article that Keith Cummings had for us today at MHH uh, on brand new, straight from playing into coaching quarterbacks coach in Denver, Davis Webb. So this is something, Zach, that um, King wrote in late February, but I want to get your take on what, what you think he's really getting at here. This is what he said, quote, I think the most interesting real football item of the past week was Davis Webb retiring from football to become Sean Payton's quarterbacks coach in Denver. That's a whoa. Payton will not only be coaching Russell Wilson this year in a crucial year for them both, he'll be putting a first-year position coach in charge of coaching Wilson. Not that Webb won't be a good coach, but throwing him into a, this is the interesting part, raging inferno in year one is an interesting move by Peyton, to say the least. Webb goes from starting for the Giants in their regular season finale to coaching Wilson six weeks later, close quote. So the the words I'm really like curious about here is raging inferno. What do you, what do you suppose he means? Just the stakes being as high as they are? I'll get to that in a second. First of all, no one's forcing Davis Webb. No one held him hostage and said, you have to work for the Broncos and coach Russell Wilson. He willingly retired and signed on under Sean Payton. And also, let's keep in mind really quickly for context, it's appropriate in this case. Peter King last year around this time called Nathaniel Hackett a football savant. So maybe take what King says about the Broncos with a tiny grain of salt. I don't agree, though. I don't think you do as well that it's a raging inferno. Why? Why is it a raging inferno? And he notice when people like King say something like that, they never explain why. They just make those, those baseless claims. They get those buzzwords in there to drive traffic or clicks, and I guess it works. But how is it a raging inferno? Because Russell Wilson had a down year? Why else is that the case? You hired Sean Payton to improve Russell Wilson. You're going to get a better team. King has been around the NFL long enough to know that what happened last year was not solely Russell Wilson. In fact, Russell Wilson was probably the smallest part of that equation. Look at the injuries, the coaching, yada, yada. I don't agree, Chad, but I'm also, you know, for the thousandth thousand time, I'm not surprised that someone, even as esteemed as Peter King, would reach for the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, it is a, uh, it's a little hyperbolic. I'll, I'll agree with you on that front for sure. I think it speaks to um, the perception of Russ. You're right that he should maybe know better, Peter King, but I think it really does kind of um, lay bare the perception of the Russell Wilson situation in Denver. And that is, <coughs> pardon me, that <clears throat> most in the national perspective, they kind of view the Russell Wilson situation in Denver as being like on the brink of catastrophic, like, you know, it's, it's one uh, straw away from the camel's back breaking basically. And to then infer what he's talking about, the raging inferno it's like you really want a first timer 
in such a as they perceive it again this is um, as they perceive it such a uh, you know uh sticky situation that takes some some cashews to quote you my friend i think really what he's probably that there's something to that i think obviously i'll agree with you on that but i also think that raging inferno speaks a lot to the stakes generally so this isn't just hey we just spent a ton of money on a new head coach and then we also you know gave up some precious draft capital to get him here but it's also like and those expectations that come with hiring a 15-year former NFL head coach with a, a Super Bowl ring. But it's also the fact that the Broncos gave Russell Wilson a quarter billion dollars in new money only to, in year one, win just five games. Now, we all think it's going to be great that, that Peyton's going to come in here and do his thing. It sounds like Peyton Manning is of a, of a similar mind anyway. Um, but the stakes are relatively high because – you know, it, people start talking, Zach, about, uh, oh, you know, Russell Wilson's, if he doesn't get on the same page with uh, Peyton or if he fails to launch in year one with Peyton, Broncos can just, you know, move on next year. It's not that easy. You know, there are uh, the, the, the dead money consequences next year would definitely be quite a bit lower than they would be if they would have tried to move on from him uh, this offseason. But they are not nothing. Uh, pardon my bad grammar. They are still extremely, extremely um, harsh. All right. So if Russell Wilson, what I'm getting at here, if he doesn't work out right there, they really, the Broncos end up in once again, between a rock and a hard place because they could just rip the bandaid off and go ahead and, and release him and, da, 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 and even try and take some of the sting off of it by post June 1st and all that stuff. But they're still going to take one on the chin, not only in 2024, but 2025 and uh, beyond. All right. And then they got to still have the resources to put a team together, Zach, and, you know, go back to the well with the quarterback. So maybe that's what he's speaking about is like, hey, if it doesn't work out this year and you're putting a brand new first time quarterbacks coach kind of in charge of that bold move, Cotton. But why is the presumption that it's not going to work out? Why, if you're someone who's been around the NFL like Peter King for 40 years or whatever, why wouldn't you realize Sean Payton's track record involves making even the worst quarterback look at least serviceable? And, you, you know, I'm not shaking my head at you, the points you were making, Chad. I think it's uh, that's how the national media sees the Broncos. Exactly. But the, the situation with Russell Wilson using that word, is this Antonio Brown? Is he some toxic cancer on the Broncos roster or is the media making him that is the media, you know, analyzing and picking apart exercises and workout videos and, and catchphrases. Russell Wilson is not doing that. That's Peter King in the media. A raging Inferno. Was it a raging Inferno in week 17 and 18 last year? If you're Peter King, do you bother putting on the film and watching how Russell Wilson looked when Nathaniel Hackett, the football savant was no longer in the building. Russell Wilson looked a lot better, Chad. And to the last point here, I mean, there's so much I can say, but we need a whole podcast. Davis Webb, yeah, he has the title of quarterbacks coach, but when you boil it down, Sean Payton runs that offense. He is the head coach. He is the OC. And beneath him is, guess who? Joe Lombardi, who is the technical OC and also was a former co quarterbacks coach. Davis Webb has the title, but kind of like Ed Donatel had the title of DC under Vic Fangio, nice. it's very nominal. nominal. It's almost like an internship for Davis Webb. So to focus your column on that and try to critique the Broncos – 
in a negative way because Davis Webb was thrown into the situation that he didn't even explain what it was is a little out of bounds for someone like Peter King. Yeah, it's it's hyperbolic all all around. I mean, it really is, but it speaks again more to just that outside the building perception of the situation in Denver, right? Like the the lay of the land, let's say, rather than situation. I think um, when we look back on the 2023 season, like in this exact spot, June 26, 2024, I think you're going to see guys like uh, Russ, guys like Peyton laughing, laughing at all of the um, hot takes and just kind of low, you know, taking the low hanging fruit and thinking the worst of every possible situation. Again, it's like people forgot that Russell Wilson, yeah, it was a down year. We can talk about all the different uh, mitigating factors as to why. But again, this is a guy who now, Zach, going into his 12th season, nine-time Pro Bowler. And yes, Colby, exactly, bro. Coaching, coaching, coaching. What was what was one of the hallmarks of Russell Wilson's decade, sustained long, uh, decade-long uh, reign in Seattle? Coaching, all right? You, we could pick nits at some of the uh, offensive coordinators, you know, that, that they kind of cycled through at times in Seattle. But at the top of it all was one of the most accomplished and respected NFL head coaches of this era, Pete Carroll, coaching, coaching, coaching. He's obviously in retrospect, Zach, he seemed to know the best way to get that sausage made with the quarterback that he had. And uh, even though he wasn't the one calling the offense, he wasn't the one necessarily designing the offense. From a philosophical perspective, he laid down the law, and the offensive coordinators had to toe the line, and they did. And Russell Wilson did what he did. Eight Pro Bowls in 10 years. His team only missed the playoffs – or nine Pro Bowls, pardon me. Only missed the playoffs in two of those seasons. So coaching is so crucial. And now imagine, okay, that was a guy who's – a coach whose who's specialty, his area of expertise, Zach, was on the – opposite side of the ball now put a coach you get back to the hashtag extreme competence thing here uh a guy who also has won a super bowl like pete carroll but his expertise is not only on offense but he also happens to have many a skin on the wall relative to quarterback successes uh in the modern nfl so why why people don't see that why people are are still so uh, bought into the notion that what you saw from Russ is permanent Russ. Like that's just what Russ is now moving forward. Totally ignoring the marked improvements in the final two games when that uh, cloud of coaching incompetency called Nathaniel Hackett was blown out of town. All, I just don't understand. They choose to ignore it because as we know, you know, intimately well, positive doesn't sell. Negative sells, you know, critique sell and lambasting sells and – Getting on someone for a dance and making that a viral tweet, that sells. And that's what Peter King, I think, was trying to do by calling it a raging inferno. I'm just so sick of Russ being regarded as this, like, high-level criminal. Is he out there getting arrested? No. Is he driving drunk? No. Is he uh, doing drugs? No. What is he doing wrong? Okay, he had a bad season. He's being blamed, though, Chad, for him being traded to the Broncos and all the picks they gave up. That wasn't his fault. He's being blamed for being offered a $250 million contract. The Broncos willingly gave him that. Okay, he didn't earn it last year, but when you look at the sample size of Nathaniel Hackett and no Nathaniel Hackett, Russ was a quarterback reborn, and I'm not even being hyperbolic. I'm not exaggerating. Put on the tape, but 
that would require objectivity, and the media has none of that. Kenny, dude, it's so great to see you. Thanks for jumping in. Thank you for the super chat, big dog. It says, good evening, fellas. Glad to catch you live. I've been out of town for work. Glad to be back home with you guys, though. Buck them. Indeed, Kenny. Thank you, big dog. Uh, really appreciate you. Zach, I want to shift gears for a minute. We're at 25 minutes, and it's a it's a Monday, uh, you know, knee-deep in the middle of the NFL desert. So we'll keep tonight relatively short. Uh, so if there are burning topics, guys, or questions you want us to get to, get them in the chat. But in the meantime, Zach, I want to segue to an interesting article from Dylan Von Arks, who, of course, moderating the chat for us on uh, YouTube. And this is an uh, article that is, hey, here, who are the four most likely Pro Bowl All-Pro candidates for the Broncos this year? Uh, I'm going to quickly touch on each one, but not only am I trying to draw some attention to this really fun read from Dylan, but the reason I'm getting to this now, Zach, is I want to talk about who else might fall under this umbrella of potential. Now, these might be the, the most uh, probable candidates for such accolades, but I want to get to who else might actually be um, have a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro nod in store. So what does uh, Dylan write? Of course, Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertan. Okay, go read it. It's really good, uh, really good stuff. But Zach, who else could possibly be in line for some uh, individual accolades? Because one of the things, real quick, last last little thing, one of the things that has obviously uh, contributed mightily to the Broncos uh, over the last four years, especially kind of having that one all pro, one pro bowler, uh, zero pro bowlers, one all pro, whatever, you know, it's is the lack of team success. It all trickles down right. the Duchess. What's up, Michaela? What's going on? Great to see you. Uh, it all trickles downhill. So when a team is having bad collective uh, results, it usually, unfortunately, affects the individuals who even are deserving of those those accolades. So then you look at the teams who do succeed. How many of those guys who end up like Chiefs, for example, pro bowlers, and think back to even some of the Peyton Manning Bronco years, some of the Peyton Manning Indy years, there were guys each and every year, man, that all things being equal, probably weren't as deserving of a pro bowl or an all pro nod as some of their peers across the league. But because the team was so good and that scrutiny and that hype and that focus was so bright, benefited them so who are some of those guys if the broncos do have team success where those it raises their their ship so to speak first of all really good article by dylan i would recommend highly checking that out i love what he wrote there about russell wilson after the fever dream that was 2022 it's the perfect way to put that i agree with this list wholeheartedly um and what you said as well it's a popularity contest it depends on external factors like team success or what's in the uh the news cycle I bring up Tyler Huntley when I when I make that point. He made the Pro Bowl last year. He threw two touchdown passes in relief of Lamar Jackson. Right. I mean, it's become almost a joke. Uh, all Pro is a little more respected, but Pro Bowl is all popularity contest, has been for quite a while. The only name I can think of, top of my head, that can have a legit shot, if he stays healthy, which is the biggest if here, Randy Gregory. Off the edge, you're going to play in an aggressive defense. You are pro probably the pillar of that defensive front seven. He plays all 17 games. I can see him hitting double-digit sacks and getting to a Pro Bowl. But I'll, I'm going to add a little addendum to this because I am this high on Sean Payton as Broncos coach. A little extra award section for coach of the year. I can absolutely 
see Sean Payton at least being in the running if he turns his team around and they double their win total from last year. Not impossible considering they won five games, but if they win 10, 11, 12 games, Sean's going to be in that mix, and rightly so. Well said. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to throw a few names out that I, I'm not, these are not predictions. These are guys who I have marked for, depending on how they perform individually, of course. But when you start talking about team success and it trickling down and shining the light all the brighter on some of the individual uh, guys, a few who I think could be in the running. All right. Up front, keep an eye on Garrett Bowles, keep an eye on Ben Powers, Good call. keep an eye on um, Good call. Mike McGlinchey. All right. And even Quinn Miners as possibilities. Okay. You look at some of those Saints teams, uh, the years where the Saints really did have a lot of success, cut deep into the playoffs. Um, I mean, Jari Evans, of course, but they they had a, a lot of different O-linemen over those years at different points, um, land in Pro Bowls and earn All-Pros. So the O-line to me, a special focus. Um, if Javante is able to, you know, if all this, what we're hearing, yeah, we expect him ready to go week one and all this. If he manages to be available for, let's just say, a majority of the season, I could see him uh, in the running for that. Uh Cortland Sutton as a possibility. The tight ends, if I had to say, you know, maybe a Greg Dulcich, but that would be really having to uh, hedge Zach on a big kind of year two um, sophomore leap. But in a system that is designed by Sean Payton, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me to see that. That's on offense. Who are some of the guys on defense? Maybe. Great call on Ben Powers. I think that's going to be the most underrated signing the Broncos made uh, this offseason. He could definitely be a pro bowler if they win games because offensive linemen, they don't do enough to get on the stat sheet. It's all about team success. My sneaky one on defense, I was thinking about it a minute ago. You mentioned it would put the spot. Let's go way to put it. Put the spotlight on the more unheralded players on the Broncos if they were to win a lot of games. How about the guy who has like a billion tackles a year? in Alex Singleton, maybe a lot of good inside linebacker talent in the AFC or the NFL, but he's a guy who's consistently leading the Broncos and among, I I'm pretty sure the top five in the NFL in tackles. So maybe just maybe a surprise pro bowl for Alex Singleton. Yeah, that's a good point because if you, um, uh, if you put Alex Singleton on any of the big prolific, uh, prolific postseason teams last year with those same numbers, you know, there's a really good chance he's, he's landing in the Pro Bowl. 163 combined tackles. A Rose, long time super chat superstar. It's been a minute checking in, saying, What's up, gents? Long time since I've been able to catch a live stream. Very excited for 2023. When is the meet and greet again? Go Broncos, then Broncos for life. October 22nd. All right. So that's week seven in Denver. Green Bay Packers coming to town. It'd be so rad. To see you there, big dog. Thank you for the super. The Duchess, she's saying here with a very generous top rope Thank super chat. Thank you so much. Um, she's saying, good evening to MHH fam. Not much to say this evening, but wanted to shout out the entire MHH family, MHH forever. Love you so much, Michaela. Thank you. Thank you. You really do help us keep the lights on relative to this whole MHH seven nights a week uh, podcast endeavor. So love you, my friend. Thank you so much. And even though there's really not much news to talk about, as you know, Zach and I always have plenty of things to say uh, on a nightly basis. Um, while we're at it, this is a great reminder. Here's your update, okay, on the Super Chat rankings for the month. 
of June. All right. The Duchess chilling at the top of the pile. Number one, uh, FA at number two, and he's been doing some leapfrogging. Uh, Gary leads Palmer Gary at number three, Troy throwing down, holding his own in the top five at number four, Ethan, AKA DWI guys at five, uh, James Richard, the lady D Deanna Hendry at seven, Rob Bucksbaum at eight, Sam Bam at nine. And he will probably climb a little bit after tonight, perhaps. And then Naj Altaf, who has jumped into the top 10. And then just a few of the names, as you can see on the screen, just outside the top 10. So if this was all she wrote, Naj would be the last, uh, the last uh, ticket, so to speak, into the raffle. So what we're going to do at the end of, uh, at the beginning of July, first stream of July, we'll do a live giveaway. As you guys know, we'll take those 10 names. They'll go into a digital hat, randomly select a winner. They get to, to uh, choose a Broncos jersey that they want, and we get it shipped out as a thank you. So there's your updated Super Chat Superstar rankings. Um, all right, let me jump back into a couple things here, Zach. Some of the reactions to what we've been talking about here. Uh, Todd Ostendorf saying, I could see a breakout year for Judy and Dulcich. All right, we've got uh, – He's got he's backed that up with some yardage on on the Dulcich front. 750 yards and seven tutties for Dulcich. Man, that would be so great. That would be such unbelievable. What that would mean for the offense would just be insane. Um uh Brendacho saying Peyton for coach of the year, Russ for comeback player, I think. Or wait. Comeback see, player of the year. Yeah, comeback player of the year. Uh and then Judy Simmons Sertan, Randy Gregory for the Pro Bowl. Um Dylan, by the way, relative to his article, I definitely considered Gregory, but I just don't trust him to stay healthy, which is probably fair to that. Yeah, that's understandable for sure. I just maybe I'm alone in this boat. I know you weren't crazy about the signing, Chad. It's one of the few areas that we've ever pretty much disagreed on the Broncos, but his ceiling, if it can be realized, is is the highest the Broncos have had since Von Miller and Demarcus Ware. He is that good off the edge, and we have have seen that in action. When he was healthy last year, who was the only player providing consistent pressure on the quarterback? That would be Randy Gregory with those long alien tentacles. If he does stay healthy, I could see him easily being a 10-12 sack guy. I don't know about a Pro Bowl, but he'll definitely be in the running. Man, it's going to be fun to see how it shakes out. Um, I'm just I'm just checking here. We're about out of time. We'll probably call it soon. Uh, KB, what's going on, Kenny? Great to see you tonight. Thank you for the super big dog. He says, what do you consider a successful season for Russ? I say 28 touchdowns and eight interceptions. What about the running back totals? I say 18 combined touchdowns uh, rushing and receiving. So this is a, a very interesting um, topic, Zach. And I just want to, before I serve this over to you, Thomas Hall had a very edifying, very interesting article over the weekend talking about Four of the year one improvements that Sean Payton made as uh, the Saints head coach, so that first year, 2006, how they will translate also to year one improvements with the Broncos. And one of those points, uh, he landed on uh, quarterback, of course, which goes without saying how much Sean Payton, you know, adding Drew Brees, upgrading that position over the previous year's quarterback, Aaron Brooks, etc. cetera. Um, I just want to quote one thing. The improvement at quarterback for the Saints in 2006 was incredible. Tom writes, on a per-game basis, New Orleans completion percentage increased by 15% to 
yards by 25%, passing touchdowns by 63%. The decrease in interceptions was a whopping 47%. All right, now, last thing. Peyton is not tasked with finding a new quarterback in Denver like he was in New Orleans, but returning Russell Wilson to his former self. Now, generating a 15% and 25% improvement in completion percentage and yards, respectively, might be a bit of a stretch, he writes, for 2023. But getting Wilson to at least his career average would be a large improvement, which would put him at around 65% completion, 4,000 passing yards, uh, and somewhere around 30 touchdowns, Zach. So I just wanted – it just reminded me of that article, Kenny, your comment here, but what is your specific answer for, for KB? Do you see, though, how Thomas took a stance on Russell Wilson? It was a positive one, but at least he backed up what he was saying and didn't just say things for the sake of diarrhea mouth. I respect that about Tom, and uh, I don't know about 40 touchdowns, but to Kenny's point here, 28-8, and that would mean they're playing extremely efficient, ball-controlled offense. It would be the most touchdown passes a Broncos quarterback has had. You like talking about this, Chad, since Peyton Manning. Uh, That's how long it's been since any player has even hit 28. I could definitely see that happening because it's going to be a run first offense. Um, And I hate to be, uh, you know, kind of a wet blanket on this answer, but it's hard to really project the running back total, in my opinion, without knowing when exactly Javante Williams will be healthy, when and how much he'll be playing this coming year. 18 touchdowns rushing and receiving for two running backs doesn't sound like a lot, but more will be determined by how healthy Javante is and how they're going to split up those carries. Guys, at the risk of, again, further doing exacerbating this uh, delay thing, to kind of put some things in perspective on what I'm about to say, I'm going to pull up the uh, season in review um, PDF that the Broncos PR department kindly sends to us at the end of every season. Um, and I want to um, do a little bit of scratch and sniff with you guys on this. Bear with me just one second while I get it queued up here. Um, while – I'm getting it queued up though, Zach. Uh, if we got David jumping in with wow. a very, Thank very you, generous you. super chat, his Thank second you. tonight. But this one off the top rope, he's saying with a record prediction for the Broncos, 12 and five, which I love, dude. Uh, really bold. I love it. And I don't think maybe it's that bold actually. But David, thank you so much, dude. Very generous of you after already uh, having supported the show tonight. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate you, big dog. Yeah, thank you so much. That's amazing. Um, 12 and 5 is, is, like you said, Chad, not that outrageous if things break a certain way. You know, luck's a big part of the NFL. You got to stay healthy, you have to stay consistent, and uh, you have to have the breaks going your way. The Broncos haven't had their breaks go their way in quite a while. If Sean Payton transforms Russ from a bottom five quarterback to a top 10 quarterback. And if the defense even plays the same as last year under VJ, I can absolutely see, if not expect Denver to reach double digit wins. Chad, I have that much confidence in Sean Payton. Okay. So bear with me one sec. I'm scrolling down to see uh, some team totals. Uh, Hang tight. So this isn't exactly what I want. Let me go back to the top. Okay, so let's at least look at this. So rushing yards, the top three rushers uh, in Denver last year were Latavius Murray, Melvin Gordon, and Russell Wilson. So combined, they were at about, let's just say, 1,300 rushing yards. Okay, and then as far as rushing touchdowns, that's combined. And then as far as rushing touchdowns, let me check something real quick. 
statistics. I'm going to switch this to a different screen here because I just realized they they have a different uh, they have a different PDF for the stats. So hang tight, one sec, guys. Um, all right, let me blow this up so you can actually see this. Okay, so rushing. Um, we don't want yards per. We want total. Well, net rushing. So, Zach, the Broncos had just under 2,000 net rushing yards. So let me, po let me pose it to you this way. You take the over or under on that in 2023. It's tough to say because you're splitting it up between two or maybe even three running backs, and that would um, – I feel like if you take from one, you're hurting the other. So if they get 2,000 rushing yards, that would mean Russell Wilson uh, wouldn't have that many passing yards or touchdowns. I'm going to take the under on that, but not that much under. I think like 18, 1,700 uh, could suffice. And recently ESPN predicted, I think it was like 900 and 800 or 800 and 700 for Samaje and uh, Pookie combined. But I do feel like even if it's a run first team, play action oriented offense, Russell Wilson will be unleashed if only to prove under Sean Payton, who has a fairly sized ego and it's well-deserved that he can be the quarterback. The Broncos thought they were acquiring. He can be the old Russ again. And it's just another feather in Sean Payton's cap. For that same purpose, I would take the over, even if it might be negligible over. I think because it is going to be such, um, from what we understand anyway, such a run first kind of oriented thing to set everything else up. I like the odds of whether it's Javante, whether it's uh, P. Ryan exceeding, for example, uh, Melvin Gordon, let's see, rushing. You know, Melvin Gordon, 318. I expect P. Ryan to have more than that if he's the number two for, you know, majority of the games. And no fumbles. No fumbles. Latavius Murray, 703 yards. If Javante's healthy, I expect him to be over 1,000 in this scheme. Russell Wilson, 277 yards, which was a little bit below his, uh, off the top of my head, a little bit under what, you, what his maybe average was with three scores. I'll take a little bit more than that. Not too crazy, but I wouldn't be surprised, Zach, if he went as far as doubling uh, those totals just because Sean Payton is so gum savvy. So um, I don't know. It'll be fun to see. But I, I think, uh, I mean, look, KB saying 18 combined rushing touchdowns from the running backs. Zach, last year from the running backs, one, three, eight touchdowns rushing, eight. So KB's uh, hoping for more than a 100% improvement there. So it'd be rad. It'd be rad. Um, whoops. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, look who it is. Tony you know. D.A. Dub in the house. Great to see you. A longtime member of our community. Super chat superstar in uh, enemy territory, too, for what it's worth. So this is another example of Broncos country. It's not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Tony, great to see you, big dog. He says, what's up? Fellas, any thoughts on adding another veteran to the D-line like a Malik Jackson type? What do you uh, what do you say, Zach? I, I think they've already made that move by not only bringing in Tyler Lancaster and they signed Zach Allen, obviously, but they uh, kept Mike Purcell. You know, not cutting him was a admission, I believe, that they have some sort of use for him, even as a, a nose tackle. If you're talking about defensive end depth, 
you could do a little bit there, but maybe VJ is high on Jonathan Harris. I feel like VJ Chad has always had that one guy who's like his pet project. Um, Deshaun Williams was that guy before, and maybe Jonathan Harris could be that as well. Though, if you want to sign one, there's certainly talent out there. Um, Kate, uh, Dwayne Smoot, uh, Carlos Dunlap, uh, Dominic and Sue's out there. There are some definite names on the open market, but then you have Matt Henningsen. Then you have Aoma Awizer, Awuzarike. Yep. I would rather, and I know it might be unpopular, I would rather these young guys who the Broncos drafted to be contributors, if not starters, begin to get some playing time so they can you know, develop into that role. I'm always a fan, Chad, of giving the young guys a chance to play before adding an aging veteran. For what it's worth, in his article, 15 free agents that fit the Broncos' um, you know, roster needs currently, Eric Trickle landed Zach on three names. Uh, how do you pronounce that cat's name, dude? Matt Ion- Ionitis. Ionitis, that's right. Uh, all right, so there's one. Michael Brockers, and then Chris Wormley. So these are guys who he's not exactly looking to uh, break the bank, right? He's veterans that could come in and kind of bolster a unit. But I, Zach, am inclined to agree with you on the D-line side of things. I want to see how it shapes up in the first week or two of training camp. Yeah. If the coaches end up saying, look, we need we need a more one more proven guy to kind of hedge against the youth of Matt Henningsen and Wazirike, P.J. Mustafer as well, undrafted rookie, sure. who a lot of people like his – um, odds at making the roster, then that's probably when they'll they'll pull the trigger. And at this point, I'd rather you know roll with the young guys, and and if they're going to spend money, put it at a position where you absolutely need it. I don't think you need another Malik Jackson type, but you can damn sure use another center because who do you really have? Lloyd Cushenberry, who was objectively terrible last year. Uh, behind him is a rookie in Alex Forsythe, and behind him is Kyle Fuller, who's a guard backup center, you know, developmental project type, whatever. So I would much prefer a Ben Jones to come in to the building right away than another defensive lineman. Yeah. And he's still chilling. He's still out there. So I agree with you on that. That would make me sleep a lot better at night and feel, I mean, I already feel night and day better about the Broncos O-line, even as it is with Lloyd at the pivot, but I would have no worries other than the the standard hope they can stay healthy reframe. Right. Um, but guys, we're about out of time. So let's grab this from KB. And unless there's any burning uh, topics uh, or super chats in the chat, we'll, we'll probably dip on out. But KB wants to know, have you saw, have you seen the video of Sean Payton purportedly, all right, purportedly smoking a bong? Zach and I have both seen this video. Um, we talked about this when it first uh, came to light. I have my doubts that it really is like with AI and just the levels of deep fake that currently exist. I know a lot of people scoff at this because they just, it does look organic, but I just can't imagine Sean Payton being that dumb to allow himself to be filmed by anybody, you know, it could be his, and I'm not saying it was like his son or friends of his son or anything like that, or players or anything. I just can't imagine what we know about him being that dumb and then juxtapose Zach that with just the how far that technology has come in just the last year alone um I just have my doubts I'll just put it that way I think that video surfaced on draft night if I'm not mistaken because we made a Laramie Tunsil reference and uh you know to, to that video 
apparently what I read is that it is real and authentic. It's hard to verify, but it was years ago when Sean Payton was still the Saints coach. And uh, from what I've read about Sean, he likes to, you know, have a good time. He's, uh, you know, he's always attending shows and he's always having a drink in his hand. So I'm not going to, you know, castigate him for hitting a bong if that's what it was. It was years ago. And I feel like marijuana as a whole, it's not looked at the same as it was years ago. It's not this, I don't know, devil's lettuce, as many people thought. And he wasn't doing meth. He wasn't doing bath salts. I mean, he hit a bong (laughs) and it was years ago. Time to move on. Yeah. I mean, again, it's totally true that, the, you know, this isn't the same uh, taboo that it would have had even 10 years ago. Um, But I still just I got to believe Sean's a little bit smarter than that to allow himself because you could tell from that clip that if it were genuine, he was fully aware of, of a camera being pointed at him at that moment. But Almost out of time. I saw this earlier. I want to grab it real quick. Patrick John Lopez on Facebook. Hey, guys. Love the show. Thank you. I agree, Zach. People often forget Russ was a nine-time pro bowler, and it's a mistake to count him out. That being said, he is getting older. So uh, drafting a quarterback next draft? What do you think, Zach? I'm not crazy about Patrick's suggestion, if only because I know I'm going to misspell that a few times if he becomes Uh, a Bronco, and I would not appreciate that. But, you know, I appreciate your support, Patrick, and, uh, you know, echoing my point. They don't forget, though, he was a nine-time Pro Bowler. They choose to ignore it because, again, that doesn't sell. That's not going to get you clicks. That's not going to go viral by reminding the masses who've turned on Russ because it's fashionable or it's a fad now uh, that he was good at one time and he'll probably be pretty good again so peter king knew what he was doing he used those words specifically but as we always say the only way that you're going to shut up a peter king or a nick wright or a random seahawks fan or a random kansas city fan is to go out there in september and win football games point blank period well said patrick great to see you as well my friend aloha right back at you um I don't know who said this because it's coming through the Facebook uh, group, our Facebook group, MHH Superfans. In order for your name to be uh, displayed on the comment, if we put it on screen, you have to, under the video where you're seeing it right now, there's a place where you you click and give Facebook permission to allow your name to be displayed on third-party situations like this. So, uh, But that's only for the group itself for whatever reason. I don't know why that is, but... This is a salient point, and then I want to get out of here, Zach. Let's just assume the video of Sean Payton ripping off that um, device uh, was was genuine for the for a moment. He says, I'm sure he smokes, and so be it. He's a creative, eccentric guy. Look, Sean Payton is hyper-competent and hyper-productive. Creative is a good way to put it. Eccentric, maybe a little. Um, but I got to tell you that I know personally multiple high 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 functioning high 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 successful individuals who use that on the reg all right on the reg i'm trying not to use the words itself because i don't want this stream to get flagged uh, because we're talking about what are frankly some adult topics here i don't i don't believe in it etc but i do know that it's not the end of the world i see it with uh, some very high high functioning people that, that use it on the reg. So my point being, even if we were to take it, Zach, at full face value, 
and say and just assume for the sake of our conversation it's true doesn't change anything in how I perceive Sean Payton. It's more about the general perception from a PR perspective um, because not everybody is, uh, you know, I don't want to call it forward thinking, but not everyone has come around on that particular subject. It's still, you know, a lot of people think back to that old movie from whatever it was, the fifties or might've been the early sixties where the, you know, the reefer, they, they, they turn anyone that's, that's, that smokes, it turns into a zombie. Reefer and then madness. The, yeah. Reefer madness. All that stuff that really had some uh, some tentacles that that sunk deep into the psyche of the boomer generation, the baby boomer generation, and uh, it still shapes a lot of how it's perceived even today. But you nailed it. Nowadays, even you know segments of that boomer generation are also using it. They're also you know medicinally yep. even for their own benefits, and there's a lot of benefits to it. I'm not. We're not going to get into that, but I will say this about Sean Payton. I don't care if he's freaking Walter White in his downtime. If the Broncos win football games, they go to the playoffs and they're successful. That is the bottom line to me. If he wants to smoke some marijuana, he can do that by all means. They're in Denver after all. The new Heisenberg, Sean Payton. (laughs) All right, Zach, let's dip on out, shall we? On that note, yes, that was another tremendous episode of the podcast. If you're not doing so, Please follow us on Twitter at the MHH Pod. Uh, you can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, like we're always rocking day in, day out, get yourself some at MHHmerch.com. If you're on Facebook, be sure. If you're not doing so, follow us at facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod on Instagram at Mile underscore high underscore huddle. And make sure you're going to Apple Podcasts and leaving your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month. But if anything, guys and gals, subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Amen to that. Much love and respect to all of you for joining us tonight, but a special shout out to our great Super Chat superstars and supporters on Facebook, David McElrath, Sam Bam, The Duchess, Michaela Parker, Troy, Gary, Colby C. Collier, uh, Kenny, A. Rose, Kenny, Tony, uh, a.k.a. Discount Audio. Much love and respect. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of days, but don't forget, it's off-season. You know, the, the it's the true depth of the off-season, so they're – has been for the last couple of weeks. No Broncos for breakfast on Monday mornings, as you know. So look forward to Tuesday, tomorrow morning, because Broncos for breakfast, followed by building the Broncos Tuesday night. It'll be dope. Have a great start to your week, guys and gals. We'll see you Thursday night. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. 
You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com